0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutOfLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host Ryan. Tonight, our show will be about anxiety and how to surf the anxiety wave. We have four amazing experts, a world's leading cardiologist leading psychologist, Jeff and Yoner coming on, got another amazing expert, Miss Longo. But I suffer from anxiety every single day. I mean, I, very badly too. I mean, I feel like at any given time, my heart's going to stop. It's going to explode. I mean, it's just, this is ongoing. And I've never really found a way to, to stop it from happening. People say, you know, you got to get some help, see a psychologist. Go. To some. I don't know. Every time I go to a doctor, they're like, why don't you try this pill or that pill I'm like I don't want a pill I don't Don't give me a pill I don't want to be part of the whole pharmaceutical industrial complex over there I want to get to the root cause of this I've tried meditation exercise has been very helpful actually. I have to say that when I do a run or I do that it stops it but my anxiety has been so severe that I've gone to the hospital four different times thinking I was having a heart attack and it turned out to be an anxiety attack and when this happens I just you just Started, the first one happened in 2004. I remember having a very difficult time breathing. Every breath was, was a concert, concentrated effort. And it was just terrifying. I didn't know why it was happening, but it was. It was in full swing. And I, again, I thought it was a heart attack. And I, I don't know why. I, I think that it could be because of the fact that I'm a little more sensitive. My anxiety tends to be triggered. <laughs> one of the reasons why is because of my parents. I love them so much... And I see this coming crash, the big collapse. We've talked millions of times about it on the show. I see it happening crystal clear. And I know that they're really not doing anything to prepare for it. And when it happens, I know they're going to be hurt probably the worst. Uh, people who are older are definitely going to be hurt. They're going to be devastated and crushed by this. There's no question about it. So I worry about them a lot. And worrying about them will, will raise the anxiety. I also experience a tremendous amount of anxiety after I get angry in reacting to something that's happening in the world, like I, I always get triggered from seeing something happening with an animal or if an animal is mistreated or there's an injustice in the world because there's so much happening so i because I'm sensitive and I'm a little less grounded that I should be, I respond and I react so after and that after that reaction happens, the fallout is that I get a, usually get a heavy dose of anxiety. but this is a battle that's ongoing, and if you've experienced anxiety. The experts that we have in our program tonight, they're going to offer a lot of helpful advice. I mean, I, I have just as much of an investment in this show as you, as you do. And let us begin tonight's program. Welcoming to the program is Dr. Stephen C. Hayes. He's a Nevada Foundation Professor of the Behavior Analysis Program of the Department of Psychology. He is an author of 44 books and nearly 600 scientific articles. And he's got a great new book coming out called A Liberated Mind, How to Pivot Towards What Matters. You can learn more about Dr. Hayes by going to his website at stephenchayes.com. Dr. Hayes, welcome to the program. Great honor to have you with us.
2: I'm glad to be here with you.
0: Thank you. So we're putting you at the top of our show because main focus is how do you deal with a crippling anxiety attack? What do you do when, okay, it's a panic mode and... You're basically paralyzed. What are some of the steps you recommend?
2: You know, what your mind's going to do is say run or fight or hide, and all those things are going to be toxic, you know, because anxiety is kind of an evolutionarily established emotional response. It's a a healthy thing, but we can accelerate it into an unhealthy thing by taking this more recent thing that we're doing of language and cognition, judgment and problem solving, jump on it, start saying, this is awful, this is what it's going to lead to, oh, my God you respond emotionally to that too then you read that then you grab on it again say well what's happening and you can spiral this thing up to the point where you can't function and you're talking to somebody who lived it. That, that is how this very work we're talking about, the the work that I do on acceptance and commitment therapy, started. It so you started you dealt with crippling anxiety attacks?
0: You what, what ah, took me
2: down to the point I couldn't talk to five undergraduates. And I'm a professor. This is not a good thing. Really? I had to just show them films and even getting the films and the sprockets. That tells you how long it goes with film and sprockets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a hard time doing it. but. You know, it really taught me a big lesson, and I've uh, you know, tried to put it into the work that we do. We, what you have to do is counterintuitive. I mean, what you've got to do is slow down this problem-solving mode of mind and click into another mode of mind that everybody knows how to do. But we don't do it very often. It's the mode of mind that you use if you were to see a beautiful sunset where you just say, wow. Or if you were to hear something profoundly sad, like if you had a kid in front of you who had been abused and was talking about, you you'd, you probably wouldn't say snap out of it. You'd probably say, wow. Well, you need to sort of get yourself into that observe and describe wow mode of mind. Not wow necessarily you like it, but just like look at that. You sort of step back, begin to notice what is going on in your body. Notice how your thoughts start crowding in and telling you to run and fight respectfully decline their invitation frankly that part of you doesn't know how to deal with this and instead just begin to show up in that moment of intense anxiety and kind of broaden your view and you're going to see that there's other things you can do other than run away or fight both of which are going to draw you deeper in not help you walk uh walk forward with your anxiety
0: you see, I see step two, embrace opportunities for practice. You also have step three, meet your anxiety with curiosity. Do you think that when you're having a panic attack or a massive anxiety attack,
2: you mean, you yeah, know, it's so hard to do in the middle of an, uh, an attack. <laughs> you better have had some practice on this. If you don't, you know, and that's why you know in the modern world we're exposed to such horrible things. You know, maybe we're not having panic, but boy, don't, don't most of us walk around with this feeling of anxiety? There's something wrong. Or, you're, you're constantly being exposed to pain and horror around the around the world, and a constant flow of judgment and stuff. And so, I mean, it's one reason why people are trying to do things. In just normal Western folks are trying to do things like mindfulness work, or you know, trying to just learn how to sort of sit more calmly with themselves. And so, those skills will be critical when when the anxiety monster really shows up. And you know, this voice within is shouting at you to fight or run, you better have some skills as to how to slow that thing down, step back a little bit, not to get away from it, but so that you can see it and and look at it, not from it. All
0: right, so good. And Maybe you should prepare for it, even if you're not having an anxiety attack, at least have uh, some things prepared ahead of time. And-
2: yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of a, a journey we're on in the whole culture. You just look around, everybody's talking about it, and there's a reason. You know, and you better have modern minds for this modern world because it's just going to hammer you with sad things to see, scary things to see, yeah. comparison, judgment.
0: The time you, you watch know, the that news, is terrible. It's, they never show you some of the good things. But Dr. Hayes, in the all your years of observing people, people respond to, let's see, visualization. They respond to hearing. They respond to kinesthetic, you know, feeling, touching. Yeah. Of all those three, what do you find is the most effective majority of people are going to respond to what when dealing with anxiety if they're going to change which of those three uh, what do you think is more likely to alleviate them from a painful um, anxiety attack
2: well be careful about the word alleviate because alleviate yes you can release yourself from the the crush but your mind's going to tell you alleviate will look like the anxiety goes away and, and so we got to let go of that part but of the three you mentioned it's your body if you can settle into that more kinesthetic sense. After all, anxiety is a felt sense, not just an interpretation where this is going to go, an evaluation, oh, this is terrible. You know, the things we're pulled towards, towards rumination and worry, that kind of judgmental mode of mind, uh, or this kind of fleeing part, if you instead kind of ground yourself. Now, if I could mention one more thing that's even more important, it's this kind of observing sense of self consciousness you know your mama dragged you into consciousness by looking you in the eyes and saying you sweet baby and you came out into this social world called human consciousness where we see things we know we're seeing it from this kind of "I here now part of us this ineffable you know how to talk about it but the person behind your eyes this more spiritual part of us and you know you reacted to that when your mother looked at you and sort of drew you in she could see you you could see her, and you could you were connected that part of you is with you at every moment and, and especially when it shows up around age three when infantile and you're kind of aware, so I would say of everything, it's sitting inside awareness, and then if you want to focus on something to be aware part of, of your body and do it in a way that that is more open like People sometimes who have anxiety disorder, anxiety attacks, etc., can say very little about what it really feels like because they're so drawn into you know, getting away from it that they don't even take the time to see what it is. Well, slow down, notice what it is, notice what your body's doing. It's not going to kill you.
0: And Dr. Gonna... we just have one more question for you, and yeah. that is, do you find that anxiety, typically speaking, is that... A sign of post-traumatic stress disorder, or do you think that uh, anxiety can also be related to excessive overstimulation? The fact that people are on their cell phones on their computers, they doing all kinds of stuff, and it's just building, building, building. And your brain maybe is, is processing too much information. So, uh, if so, what would be the comparable difference between anxiety related to post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety related to you know, overstimulation?
2: Well, it's linked to a uh, you know a biological thing that indicates that. You know, you that something aversive is happening or about to happen, and you better get ready. It mobilizes parts of your body that helps you, you know, flee your fight. And the more recent part of us, this more uh, cognitive part of us, you know, sits atop that and sort of uh, harnesses that. So if you've got things in the basement, and it could well be like the PTSD things where there's places in there that I just am not going to go. There's things I'm not going to see. Well, of course, you did go there. You did see it. That's why you're not wanting to go there. There's no real secrets to yourself and your own nervous system. So if you do the unhealthy things that lead to full PTSD, and we know what those are, they there are these processes of avoidance, rejection, pushing away, hiding, fleeing, these inflexibility processes. And you know, you don't want to blame the victim. I mean, what else are you going to do with it when something shows up as horrible as some of the things people have been exposed to in war or, or uh, previous abuse or things of that kind? Sometimes as children, but they wouldn't know anything else to do but, of course, the logical, reasonable, sensible, and unhealthy things. But, you know, as you get to this point where it's time, you know, time's up, now it's time to sort of turn in the 180 degrees in the opposite direction and begin to learn how to open up. So PTSD for sure, but it could be something else. If uh, people search, want to find my own story, go to a, a YouTube and look at the TEDx. Uh, I could give you a link or just search for my name. Sure,
0: well, we'll, we'll put a link on it. But
2: uh, Awesome. Doc, and what yeah. you'll see is me walking through how when I began to turn towards anxiety and my own anxiety disorder history, I eventually found an 8-year-old underneath the bed hiding from the domestic violence that was going on between my parents and the other room, and I'd completely forgotten it. And so, you know, stuff that's old and lingers and is hanging around, and I do think of the modern world with all our cell phones, we're feeding ourselves a lot of things that are hard to deal with emotionally. So both those things you nominate, I think, are there, but almost anything that is not yet fully brought on board consciously that you're not ready to carry, part of you then sees that as a threat. You're tracking it even unconsciously, even in your sleep. And anxiety is a little indication you got you've a little work to do. Or there's something going on here that's a risk, and you need to know that. You know, if, if you've been abused, you might feel it when you're about to go home with somebody who's unsafe. You want to feel anxiety. The last thing you want to do is not feel. That's not a healthy deal, and it'll predict bad outcomes if you don't know what your feelings are and aren't willing to feel them. So let's learn how to feel fully and without needless defense. But let's not let it, uh, you know, spin us into the ability to function.
0: Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, I want to thank you so much for your wonderful insight, a very helpful insight. Again, Dr. Hayes, author of 46 books. His latest book, which is going to be coming out very soon, called A Liberated Mind, How to Pivot Towards What Matters. You learn more about Dr. Hayes by going to his website at stephenchayes.com. Dr. Hayes, thank you so much, sir. It was awesome being with you. It is a great honor to welcome back to the program Dr. Steven Sinatra. He is a respected cardiologist, and we've had him on the program three times before. Incredible. He's an expert on treating cardiovascular disease, and he's been an expert for more than 40 years. There are two different websites for Dr. Sinatra. First one is drsinatra.com, and the other one is vervana, V-E-R-V-A-N-A.com. Dr. Sinatra, welcome back to the program.
1: Hey, Ryan. It's good to be here.
0: Thank you. All right, so what is the comparable difference between a person who is having a massive anxiety attack and a person who's showing symptoms and signs that they are having a heart attack? How do you tell the difference between both?
1: Well, you know, know, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, Ryan. I mean, I've seen all sorts of scenarios. Uh, I've seen people who were having an acute anxiety attack and they were in the emergency room thinking they had a heart attack and fortunately it was an anxiety attack. I've seen people uh, having a heart attack uh, who thought it was like nothing. It was like, uh, you know, some some vague discomfort in the chest or there was some pain in the jaw or shortness of breath. So, you know, either or can, ha- can happen. But I'll tell you this, in most people who are having a heart attack, and I'm saying greater than 90%, the anxious component is visible. It's there. They're sweating. They're concerned. They're frightful Uh, because most people having a heart attack feel this, you know, awful sensation in their chest. It could be the neck arm or jaw. Uh, In females, uh, it can be even uh, more non-discerning. I mean, I've seen dreadful fatigue, for example, present as a heart attack in in a middle-aged female. But I'll tell you, when people are having a heart attack, the anxiety level is very, very high. So they frequently come in combination. Now, the problem is, is people who are prone to anxiety, who would think they're having a heart attack, who are just having, and I, I shouldn't say just having anxiety, because it's very, very panicky, it's very, very frightful, they think they're going to die. Uh, and, and fortunately, a lot of the people I've seen with acute anxiety attacks had an anxiety attack without any
0: evidence of heart disease. Wow. So I was going to tell you this. I've actually gone, th- I mentioned at the beginning, I've gone to the emergency room a few times thinking that I was having a heart attack, turning out to be anxiety, and during this time, I mean, I didn't have any symptoms where I had numbness in my arm. I just felt very panicky, and I don't know how it happened. so when the body is experiencing an anxiety attack, what is actually happening physically to the body? Is it, uh, are, there, are there any similarities in terms of?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. In other words, when people have an anxiety attack, their heart rate goes up. They're sweating. They have an ins- impending sense of doom. Now, remember this, Ryan. When people are having a true heart attack, I mean a real f- heart attack, the sense of doom is overwhelming in a lot of these people. In anxiety, there is a sense of doom, but when it's a real heart attack, it, it's, it's, it, it's overwhelming. Um, people with anxiety um, you know, may have some nausea. Uh, people with heart attack can have profound nausea, and I've seen lots of nausea, vomiting with heart attacks. Uh, some people with anxiety will not have uh, uh, vomiting, for example. I mean, there they can be some differentiation, but unfortunately, unfortunately, um, uh, many of the symptoms are similar. Now, if somebody has dreadful, and I mean dreadful, substernal chest pain, uh, underneath the breastbone, radiating to each shoulder, so to speak, or radiating up to the neck, and has anxious feelings at the same time, I would I would rule out a heart attack first before anything, even if they had a history of anxiety attacks. Uh, and this the way, you know, uh, when a person has acute symptoms, uh, usually a routine electrocardiogram can differentiate. In other words, if a person has symptoms of chest pain or pressure uh, and has what we call ST segment elevation on the electrocardiogram, then there's excellent, outstanding correlation that it is the, so- the heart is the source of the symptoms. If the EKG is normal and they're having the symptoms of chest pain, that's a good sign that they're not having what we call a heart attack or a myocardial infarction.
0: Okay, if somebody experiences something like anger or excitement or they're just very happy, could that, in a, way, in a sense, magnify or increase their chances of having a heart attack or even an anxiety attack minutes, hours afterwards? Yes, good question. I mean, anger is the Achilles heel of the
1: cardiovascular system. And let me repeat that. Anger is dreadful on the cardiovascular system. Now, what's worse than anger? Rage. In other words, rage is uncontrollable anger. And I've seen patients, as as a heart specialist, not only have heart attacks during acute rage, but I've seen them in acute anger as well. So um, I used to always, when I wrote my books and everything, I used to always tell my patients, even my patients prone to heart disease, I would always say the same thing over and over again. I said, look, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, It's only small stuff anyway. In other words, it's not worth dying for. Um, uh, so I would tell patient after patient, especially ones who are prone to anger and rage, you know, who, who snap at the, you know, at the, at the, at, the slightest thing they get very angry road rage is one of them for example when they're driving their car and they and they flip out i mean these people are prone to you know hypertensive crisis they're, they're prone to stroke they're prone to heart attack because remember this when you when you get acutely angry, angry angry you're putting out hormones your adrenaline goes out you're putting out epi uh noradrenaline uh epinephrine all these different cortisol all these different hormones that can have a deleterious effect on the heart so um, I worry about anger and rage. Sadness, I don't though. Now, if people can cry, <laughs> crying will rescue the heart because when you have sadness out and you're releasing tears and you're sobbing, uh, uh, this has a beneficial effect on the heart as opposed to anger and rage have dreadful effects on the
0: heart. Okay. And, and what does it, anxiety also follow that as well? So if you have anger, if you have rage, or even if you have happiness, is, does that, could that lead to an anxiety as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, but one thing about anxiety, I mean, we all have anxiety, but people with anxiety who are able to cry can discharge the anxiety very, very quickly. And um, uh, I think crying is one of the healthiest emotions uh, someone can do. So um, in my patients who are prone to anxiety attacks, I would always say to them, say, if you could give yourself permission to cry, and to have the tears outward, and and to sob, and to and to you know you know breathe deeply. Uh, all these things uh, are very supportive uh, for the cardiovascular system. So crying is helpful. Rage is dreadful.
0: Huh. And Dr. the final question I have is: Are there any nutritional supplements that you'd recommend that would have a soothing effect on both anxiety and your heart?
1: Oh my gosh! Of course, yeah. I mean, magnesium comes to mind immediately. I mean, magnesium calms the autonomic nervous system. It, it calms the autonomic nervous system with the heart. Even patients with uh, mitral valve prolapse, for example, uh, who are very, very prone to anxiety and develop symptoms with uh, panic, anxiety, uh, or any emotional disturbance, magnesium has been phenomenal in, in reducing the uh, attacks of, uh, of mitral valve prolapse or the symptoms of chest pain or palpitations. So I love anxiety. I love omega-3s, you know, uh, squid oil or, um, or omega-3s from fish oil. Um, uh, certainly, uh, coenzyme Q10 comes to mind immediately. I've been using this for over 40 years, and, and um, you know, coenzyme Q10 with magnesium uh, uh, has a real – Supportive effect in in patients with mitral valve prolapse as well. So I I just feel that, uh, and even migraine, I mean, even migraine sufferers who have what we call peaks and troughs of of, uh, CoQ10 in their body, uh, um, you know, these these people who are prone to migraine uh, really do better on uh, Coenzyme Q10 as well. So those would be my top three for the people, you know, who have um, anxiety or. Panic uh, or or situations that uh, you know their autonomic nervous system gets turned on. And one more thing, um, Brian, this is not a nutritional supplement, but I call it vitamin G. (laughs) I call it the ground, earthing. Remember this: earthing has an incredible calming effect on the autonomic nervous system. So whenever you know, if if your clientele uh, uh, report anxiety or hypertension or palpitations or tachycardias. Uh, putting your bare feet on Mother Earth and taking in the Schumann response, the Schumann energy, uh, has a nice uh, calming effect uh, on the cardiovascular system. So um, grounding is good, and that's why I call it, you know,
0: like a vitamin G. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dr. Sinatra, Dr. Stephen Sinatra, thank you so much for being with us. By the way, Dr. Sinatra has an incredible book. He's got many, many books. One of them is called The Sinatra Solution that I've read, and it really is well done, a lot of great insight. And Dr. Sinatra, I highly respected, the sought-after cardiologist, over 40 years of experience, you can learn more about him by going to two sites. One is DrSinatra.com. The other one is Vervana.com. Dr. Sinatra, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, thanks, Ryan. It was great to talk to you again.
0: You. Welcoming to the program is Pat Longo. She is author of a new book that will be released in a couple months called The Gifts Beneath Your Anxiety, Simple Tools, Simple Spiritual Tools to Find Peace awaken the power within and heal your life you can learn more about Miss Longo by going to website at patlongo.net Longo, welcome to the program
3: hi ryan thank you for having me i'm really looking forward to our chat
0: thank well you obviously have not been briefed about me so you said there are gifts beneath your anxiety so absolutely fascinating because i think when most people have a panic attack it's they feel like they're going to die so (laughs) I would like to know where the, where the gifts come. Do Because exactly. the only gifts I get is that when I go to the emergency room for having an anxiety attack, they <laughs> give me the gift of this little you know cartoon you know, band-aid that I get to wear on my finger where they stuck the needle mm-hmm. in me. That's no, the only gift I've no. gotten. Are, are there more gifts <clears> beyond that?
3: Well, the gifts, in my experience, I've been doing this for close to 25 years now. And what I've discovered is that people with anxiety, especially extreme anxiety, panic attacks, all of that, technically have spiritual gifts such as mediumship or healing and mediumship even more so than anything else and they come to me they don't expect to hear anything like that that's the last thing they expect to hear but once i ask them a certain amount of of questions and recognize the fact that they are very empathic and i ask them questions they say yes to all the questions and we start pulling out the fact that they've been hearing things all their life, maybe seeing things when they were a child, uh, closed it down because they were frightened. You know, if you have anxiety and I ask you certain spiritual questions, like, do you ever get high-pitched sounds or ringing in your ears? Well, actually, can or, you ask
0: those questions of the people listening right now? What are some of the questions that you can ask, like the cup Well, <clears throat>
3: that's one of them. High-pitched sounds, um, ringing in your ears doesn't have to be all the time. Um, one, do you have anxiety? Of course. I already know that when somebody comes in. Um, how do you feel about crowds? Are you able to go into crowds? Will you go into crowd by yourself, or do you have to have somebody along uh, to keep you in a comfort zone? Some people can't even consider a crowd. Some people won't leave their house. Some people become agoraphobic, miss their own children's weddings because of the power of their anxiety. Other questions are, do you have digestive issues? That also ties into it. Do you have autoimmune disease? It also ties into it. This is not a medical situation. It's a metaphysical situation. So all the little pills that you're offering aren't going to help. And I ask people because they come in and there's, some people are overloaded with five, six medications. And I said, is it helping? No. They feel numbed and dull and, and dopey, but it doesn't make the anxiety stop. What if the and- body is
0: reacting to anxiety as a result of something that it's not getting? And I'll give you an example. Some people, apparently you can get very anxious and develop anxiety from being dehydrated. Or you can develop anxiety because your body is trying to send you signals that something isn't right. And maybe you're not ignoring it. So saying, look, you know, we have to take care of something and you choose to ignore it. And your body is kind of ratcheting up its alarm system. So you'll pay attention to it. So where do you define the difference between okay. anxiety Absolute. on the metaphysical level and anxiety as the
3: On a medical. Being, yeah. Okay. As the body screaming. Okay. Well, the only person that's going to determine that is if you take it, take yourself to the doctor and find out that you are dehydrated. And, yes, it could bring you to a level like that. Um, if your body is breaking down in some way or maybe you're having palpitations, I always tell people, go the doctor out first. Check out your heart. Make sure everything's okay. But it seems to always come back to me. So no matter what I do, people come in here and they, just, they, they seem to be fear-based. Everything is about fear. So fear and anxiety, sure. Of course you're going to feel anxiety if you're afraid of this and you're afraid of that and you have this phobia, and you're worried about your kids and you can't let them out and nobody can babysit because you're afraid. Everybody's afraid. But I don't understand it. I wish I could give you an exact answer, but I pull them right back to their spiritual gifts and they all turn out to be highly gifted. Listen, I didn't even know that I could do this, that, that I was able to teach people to open up to their gifts but i started teaching a meditation class and as people began to meditate their gifts began to come forward and i was sitting there in the teacher seat and i had to figure it out so i began to ask questions and i started to make comparisons and i'm going to bring in the long island medium for a second because Teresa was a student of mine and um once she went on the air with the show her her show went into 34 countries i think it was discovery channel and she also wrote a book pretty pretty soon and that book followed all those shows into those countries and all those people from all those countries that were reading her book started to call me i now work in probably 40 different countries at this point and Everyone is calling me because Teresa put it out there that I helped her get rid of her anxiety and open up to her spiritual gifts. So I found that there's an epidemic out there and it's all over the world and little children are coming in here now. They start as young as three, seeing spirit, hearing spirit, feeling things, frightened and the anxiety really gets going at puberty. All right. So I've also found the connection between hormones and spirituality. There's something about the hormones when the hormones rise at puberty that opens up that channel. And anxiety, if you're already nervous, you're going to start having panic attacks at that point in time. And if not, you're going to be withdrawn. You, don't, you want to be in the periphery. You don't want to be around people. Or you become the class clown. And the class clown insulates himself So that everybody laughs either at him or with him, but he absolutely is not comfortable in his own skin. So these are all components of spirituality and hormones. The next thing that happens is drugs and alcohol, because if your mom and dad notice what's going on with you, they take you right to the doctor. And the mom and dad love you and they're doing what's right for you. And then the doctor, of course, is medical and he does what he knows. And everybody's doing the right thing, except for the fact that it's not medical. So what happens then is you start to self-medicate. You'll, you'll start drinking or smoking pot or whatever it is today, because it's a lot bigger than pot now. Um, and so you try to numb yourself, try to fit in. And it's not helping because it's actually the worst thing you could do. So if you end up with me or somebody like me, you find out. And I, I give you a tool. I'll say to you, um, if you come in my house and you can't look at me because you're so anxious, I tell you to take a throw pillow and put it in front of you. All right. One of the questions on my list is, are you an arm folder? Do you cross your arms all the time? Do you ever pull a pillow in front of you when you're sitting around with company or, or friends and family? Because it's a comfort zone. It blocks your solar plexus. And your solar plexus is where the anxiety comes in. So I just have not put a pillow in front of them and everybody just calms down and starts looking at me and focusing. So I see it right in front of my eyes. I watch them transform. You should put a pillow on then,
0: it. put a pillow on your yeah. side. The, the, the Pat pillow. Yeah. Pat, with regards to... Let's say a trigger of a panic attack or trigger of anxiety.
2: Mm-hmm. If
0: there are people out there that are high, that are high, highly sensitive, more sensitive than others, and yeah. they ex- they say, for example, they experience a burst of excitement, or they experience a burst of anger, or they experience a burst of great concern, or even a burst of great sadness, are these things potential triggers for anxiety? And if so, how do you manage to find the balance between, you know, accepting, embracing, becoming one with your heightened sensitivity, while at the same time not allowing that heightened sensitivity pull you into a place where you're paralyzed and cannot live your life in a constructive manner?
3: Okay. Well, to me, everything is in, has to be in balance. I create boundaries for people. Um, I didn't tell you the biggest part of the whole thing. Sure. When, ang- when, to me, anxiety, extreme anxiety, people with extreme anxiety, super sensitive people, what they're actually feeling is spirit. They're not feeling all these other things that they think they are, the depression that goes with it, uh, the OCD, there's so many, there's so many components to it that come into my office. So, it's the spirit that they're feeling. Think about this for a minute, Ryan. You and I are two people having a conversation. With each one of us, we have what I call a spiritual guide, and you would probably agree with me. I'm not sure.
0: My spiritual now, guides are at the bar, so I am, okay. I'm running well, solo with you. The be, it's you and me and your spiritual guides.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the three of us are here right now. Yes. And with us, we have angels. It doesn't have to be a religious belief. They're just there. They're part of our universal team. So whether you have them or not, I know you do, but they could be at the bar with the guide. But right now, we're like a little group, and I have loved ones on the other side that have crossed. You have loved ones on the other side that have crossed that love you. Mine loves me. And they're also here to help us with our team and help us with our gifts and our spirituality. So let's just say the typical person comes into my house, and we're a team of 12, Okay, We can't see them. It's just the two of us. But we actually have 12 energies or entities around us. Take that to the movie theater and multiply. Take it to the hall in, in a high school hallway or the mall at Christmas time, a concert. People go off the wall with anxiety. They can't feel that amount of energy without having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. You can't. It's, it's too overwhelming. And the word that people use most is, I'm overwhelmed. I can't think. I can't sleep. I can't work. I can't focus. And they push themselves through because they have to. Everybody has to, well, most everybody has to work. And we have to do the best we can with what we're given. And my job is easy because when somebody walks in here with me and they have anxiety, I'm happy because to me it's an Easy fix. It's why I wrote the book. Because it's an easy fix. How about some I'd of the ways you could
0: fix it? So say for example, like we encourage everyone again go to Pat's website, PatLongo, L O L L O N G O dot net, and real quick you'll learn all these things. You have audio events, manifesting, talking about mediumship. If a person cannot get to you right away, mm-hmm. are there any techniques that they can learn from you that they can start applying right away to start reducing their anxiety
3: absolutely absolutely it takes five seconds five seconds i'll tell you right now i tell everybody all the time because i'm only one person and i can't reach everybody in the world so i have to keep spreading it out there so that people are helped so basically what i do is i give them a five second tool you surround yourself in a bubble of light just remember ryan thoughts become things Okay, everything is about thoughts. So I surra- ask them to surround themselves in a bubble of light, I, and that's protection, that light is protection. Then I ask them to imagine that they have cords at the bottom of their feet and one at their tailbone, and they're going to shoot those cords into the earth and ground just imagine, just, I don't care if it's lightning bolts, I don't care if it's tree roots, or if it's a, a grappling hook. It makes no difference. It's about the intention to ground into the earth. The grounding creates balance. Okay? So now you've put the protection around, you've grounded yourself, and the last part of the exercise is imagining that you're putting on a shiny metal vest of armor. Now, I used to use the WWE belt. I kind of borrowed it from them, uh, but mine was invisible, and that worked immediately. And from 7 to 75, everybody that I told knew what I was talking about. But in 2012, I noticed a shift. I noticed that people were coming in super emotional. So I shifted it, and I made an upgrade from the WWE belt to a very shiny metal vest of armor. It goes from shoulder to waist, back to front, and it, it completely stops your anxiety just like the pillow in front of you, just like the arms that you fold or the woman who carries the pocketbook in front of her when she's walking through the mall or walking down the streets of Manhattan. Women have more mm-hmm. tools than men. Men have don't carry bags, you know, for the most part. Um,
0: Unless you carry a fanny pack, and if you do, then everyone mm-hmm. looks at you like, my goodness, that's Yeah, but
3: you'd have to have it a little higher. It's got to be on your solar plexus. But... I have teachers that call me all the time, and I remember one uh, immediately after Teresa's show went on the air. He called me from Canada, and he told me he's a teacher, and he had extreme anxiety. He was having a difficult time getting through the day, and I asked him, what grade do you teach? And he told me eighth grade. I said, you have hormones sitting in front of you all day long, and you're an empath, and an empath feels other people's emotions. So you're feeling all these kids. So I said, do, do me a favor, try it out. Let the kids go in the classroom, stand in the hallway for a minute outside, see how you feel. Walk into the classroom exposed and see what happens. I don't mean exposed, you know what I mean, uh, without something in front of you. And see ha- how you feel. The anxiety is going to start right away. So then I said, turn you back. Turn you back, face the chalkboard. And see the difference and then turn around again put a book in front of you and see how it stops it so i tell people try it yourself i see it here in my in my room put the pillow in front of you and they stop having anxiety i don't say a word why i don't tell them i tell them humor me just put it in front of you and i continue to talk and and ask questions and all of a sudden they're turning their direction toward me all of a sudden they're able to focus and I don't tell them what the pillow is for until about a half an hour into the session, but they're very calm and they're very relaxed.
0: The, gift, the book again is "The Gifts Beneath Your Anxiety: Simple Spiritual Tools to Find Peace, Awaken Power Within, and Heal Your Life." Ms. Pat Longo, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. If you know more about oh, Pat you like, welcome. going to us at patlongo
3: Thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure. And anytime.
0: Welcome back to the program. Yes. Mr. Jeff Casper and Ms. Yona Brendis, energetic healers, energy healers, and metaphysical teachers. And not only have they appeared on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth several times, but three of us host a show together called Heart Wars Radio. And you can learn more about them by going to OuterLimitsRadio.com. You can also learn more about their practices and their great articles by going to TransCodes.com. Jeff and Yona, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us. Hi Thank there, you. Ryan. Hey, Thank you for you. inviting us. Okay, so our focus is on anxiety. So from a metaphysical, spiritual perspective, what do you perceive anxiety as?
4: Well, it's, um, of course, a physical, primarily a physical condition, all right, that needs to be established to understand the condition, all right? It's, It's when the autonomous nervous system overreacts. It's like a fire alarm that goes on when you turn on your toaster, all right? So it's like fires too fast right and the underlying function of that is of course to keep us uh, safe you know mm-hmm. to warn us of something you know that uh, could potentially be harmful or that could uh, be bad for us so in general uh, you know in, anxiety is a, is a normal function of our nervous system from a metaphysical or energetic point of view when A person gets stuck in that place that literally everything, you know, becomes a potential danger or everything is hostile or, you know, the world's conspired uh, to go after me or making things bad for me. Uh, Then, uh, you know, besides the psychological aspects here, there comes other aspects uh, or or that one has to look at other aspects here. One is definitely... Uh, the attachment of the person to the past. Uh, This has still to do with neurology because, you know, when a person goes into this, say, worst-case scenario place, right, with everything, okay, then we we have to really see what the person is doing. The person is going back in the past and interpolating the future. So it, it creates worries based on the past. And this, of course, you know, happens to people who have a lot of trauma Um, You know, quite easily, because if they think back in the past, oh, whenever this happened, then that happened, you know, so they actually have something, you know, that really, you know, uh, was bad in the past. A phenomenon that we see here more with the younger generation who did not actually have bad things happen and yet experience uh, uh, increasing levels of anxiety is more of a newer phenomenon, and that comes from the lack of resilience. So uh, the metaphysical perspective here brings in, okay, you're going back in the past, and therefore you are stuck in uh, worries about the future, But uh, what if there is an overall sort of collective uncertainty that makes you feel like you don't have a future psychically? You're picking up on something like that. So it is quite possible that besides the psychological aspects, uh, people also picking up on collective fears. All right. So. We Jeez, live in so time right now Yeah, where a, lot of, a lot of uncertainty. yeah Will that happen
0: if you're a sensitive person? If you happen to be a like an empathic person, are you more inclined to pick up anxiety that is not yours? And also, how do you tell the difference between what is happening in your inner reality compared to what you're picking up as far as what's happening in the collective?
4: Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, this is something that we address here with Energy Work. We help people to differentiate and to discern this. You know, how to really... Uh, feel into what you're, what what is yours and what is mm-hmm. isn't. So people who are uh, empathic, who are energetically sensitive, they have a tendency to pick up a lot more than just their own stuff. Okay, and. Uh, right now, especially when there are certain things that happens in certain countries or certain regions, you can tell, you know, that people who are maybe not directly affected by it, but uh, sort of uh, picking up on all these things that are that are going through their say nation or their. Um, uh, you know, collective group are affecting them as well, uh, then the person really needs to train that. The person needs to understand, and we re- we stress this a lot with people uh, who are empathic, uh, they need to understand that. Learning to discern, learning to, to really feel the difference between something that is threatening for themselves mm-hmm. or, th- say, threatening for my country or threatening for my region or threatening for whatever I identify with um, to differentiate these things.
5: And it's a practice. And, and really, in the end, though, it, it's a practice also of learning to, regardless of which one it is, because you have to deal with both typically, um, how to handle that. You know, and, and a lot of times with fear, it's just recognizing that, or anxiety, that most of what we perceive as anxiety has no real threat to us, other than, like Yona talked about, going backwards in the pain of the past. And once you can realize that, you can begin to look at it as, okay, this is just perceived threats perceived feelings of uncomfortableness, perceived feelings of something bad is going to happen, which does not make them real. And that's a really important part of the process of dealing with anxiety. So you begin to break down what's really going on. And that also aids in the discernment process.
4: So the way we do this discernment for people is that we, we start with um, just informing them that there is a physiological effects, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the body is reacting. Then there's emotional effects. Then there are things that they're sensing and things that they're feeling. So we, we start with... Uh, increasing their emotional literacy all right so we're asking them when this happens where in your body do you feel this so how do you sense this then what kind of emotions are being triggered in you and what kind of behaviors then follow all right so first we help the person to see that that there's different aspects involved different parts of their processing and Um, And make them become more aware of these individual parts so that they can feel more adequate to actually do something about it. But not to overcomplicate things here, when it comes to emotional literacy or emotional vocabulary, um, you know, most people think that it's bad to feel like fear say and they they resist fear and so they immediately want to um, make this go away or avoid it or hide from it or um, even attack it all right so there's different uh, propensities that we all have but ultimately it really comes down to one thing and this is uh, in our practice here what I see what sticks the easiest with people it takes roughly six seconds for an emotion to stick and if you can just learn to calm down enough and to coach yourself through these first six seconds of your body, your, your autonomous nervous system reacting to something by using words, by using breathing techniques, by, you know, helping, you know, to, to, for yourself to go through the fear that is coming in, Go through the fear, sit with the fear, yeah. six seconds, and then you can start seeing clear again. Then this reality that you talked about, right, becomes more,
5: well, real, quote unquote. Well, you, you take away the, the, the fear-colored glasses that you're wearing, you know, because when you're in fear and you go out and, and you experience anxiety and you're in a world that has a lot of anxiety, that's all you're going to pick up on. Jeez. And, but-
0: if you guys are looking at anxiety with the euro increased sensitivity, mm-hmm. does it present itself as as any particular types of colors? Do you, does it present itself as any type of uh, fractals fr- uh, that you could see within a person? And if you if a person is experiencing a severe amount of anxiety, is there a, a typical chakra or common chakra where that fear yeah. will will attach itself to? And,
4: yeah, the energy signature, You're you right. mean, right, yeah. that a person has with with anxiety. Yes, there are some very typical markers that yes. we can pick up on.
5: The first chakra will have a lot. A lot of times we feel unsafe, we feel um, not okay to be here, we feel not secure. So that's a lot of times where you'll have issues with first chakra. Um, Third chakra can have a lot as well because there's a lot of control program going around the third chakra and a lot of times control is driven by fear Um, And then if a person is in the process of reconnecting or in the process of trying to go into their heart A lot of times the fourth chakra can have a lot of it or right below the fourth chakra because they're going into that process of beginning to open up and that creates Another fear of letting go, yeah, so it, it can it can show up in multiple places, but those are some common ones
4: it, it doesn 't necessarily show up in colors or fractals because the, you know we go well, deeper, yeah. you know we look at where is this coming from, and then then we see colors, and then we see and, certain yeah. shapes. but I think the, for me personally, Jeff, the most prevalent thing in a person that has anxiety is that their energy body is actually leaning forward, so as I was Be saying. Forward. As I, as, as I was saying earlier, you know, we go backwards, we resort to our memory, to the past, and then we use this to project us into the future. Because if you think about it, our fears and worries, they're all, it's like mind movies right? They're going on. And these are projected into the future. And most people project things into the, the, in front of them. All right. And if a person does this for a long time and and their energy body kind of uh, begins to to adjust to it, their energy body is actually leaning forward. They're not actually standing in their center, which means that the tiniest little trigger, the tiniest little trip, can get them off center. Mm -hmm. And so, the the subjective experience this is the the hard part here the subjective experience then is actually that a lot of these things that they worry about you know that they dwell about actually happen to them mm-hmm. because it, yeah because they're they're so yeah. uncentered mm-hmm. in their energy that it takes a, just a tiny tiny little thing right. to make their world collapse to make uh, you know everything become a disaster It's
0: pretty sure. amazing right now in our in the reality at least in the US. Mm-hmm. People can go to a store and give someone else a piece of paper and they can get food and services in exchange. I mean the world right now is, is probably a lot more stable compared to uh, an actual genuine crisis. I wonder what's going to happen when we have a genuine crisis, a yep. real crisis. What's going to happen to those people who are already yep. of anxiety? I mean if you can't hack it in a world where – you know, everything is convenient for you. What's going to happen in a world where you don't have
5: those? What do you think is going to happen? There'll What's be an prediction? adjustment period. there would be an adjustment period where you would go really crazy for a while because um, you would have all these your worst perceived fears, fears, these nightmares. Uh, confirmed. Confirmed. And yeah. you would go into massive fight, massive flight. Um, some people would totally freeze, you know, and it would, it would just get really intense for a while. But eventually it would weed itself out
4: but the self preservation then will take over. this is the cool thing, so when it comes to disasters, you know it's it, you know and 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 the 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 potential or the meaning that it can have for people to go through a crisis or go through a disaster um, you're absolutely right, Ryan. You know it can actually set the straight it can actually get people out of anxiety so every study that has been done out there shows that. You know, what, what makes a person become adequate, what makes a person feel like they can, they, they're in charge of their life and, and they can handle life, right? Which would be, you know, the opposite of anxiety um, is resilience, meaning that you have to go through a certain number of crises, you know, in, in order to, to have that confidence in yourself, to have that trust. And that also coincides with happiness, so every study that has been done on on people who are happy and you know like what made them happy, is the you know is 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 showing that people who have experienced crisis, who have uh, moderate moderate crisis, moderate pain, moderate fear throughout their lives, that they become the happiest because their their resiliency is the highest. One thing you know, I I, I really wanted to this helps a lot of people when you talk about this but that that I wanted to point out here is a few facts on the stuff that people worry about. 40% of what we worry about never, never, never happens. 30% is based on the past. 12% is not ours. And 10% only happens because, you know, we're feeling sick or we're feeling... Only 8% of what we worry about is actually likely to happen. 8%. That's 1 out of 10 worries. 1 out of 10, Mm -hmm. yeah, less Mm -hmm. than 1 out of 10 um, is likely to happen. That doesn't mean that it is going to happen, but 9 out of 10 are never, ever going to happen.
5: For yourself, basically, you're you're creating more suffering. You're going through the problem twice.
0: Mm -hmm. There's probably a good reason to avoid... Going to the watching the media sometimes and they make it seem like, oh, there's a hundred percent chance you're going to explode in flames. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why people are on the edge in terms of. I business, wonder how many people are actually going to explode in flames. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I mean, you know, these millennials, they, they they do the drinking gasoline challenge and they're like, drink gasoline, lot a match. You know, who knows? If you're listening and you're a millennial, don't do that challenge. It was only a joke. Dickens here is like, From a metaphysical, spiritual perspective, are there any types of practices that you recommend that would alleviate a person's anxiety? Should they burn sage? Should they use lavender oil? Should they listen to certain um, music? I mean, some of the music that you both have put out, some of your tracks, I found it very soothing. So what do you recommend from that?
5: All those are good. I mean, like, you know, sage and lavender are are immediate Mm -hmm. uh, processes that can help to change the energy. Music can as well. But, a lot of times with any emotional process, but especially fear, it's learning. Like Yona mentioned earlier, how to sit with those six seconds. Um, you know, it, it, it's a practice that you learn how to do, and then practicing, learning how to center, how to ground, how to get in touch with your own energy, so you have a higher potential to actually face it. And then the other thing, typically with fear—not not 100% of the time—but typically with fear, looking at what you're avoiding. There's something that you're avoiding. Uh, and what happens as you begin to face what you're avoiding, the fear will subside.
4: But, you know, when it comes to like the acute state of anxiety, uh, which is primarily a physiological reaction, that's what people need to learn. So they need to educate themselves a little bit. Uh, the first aid is has to be a physiological one. So uh, things that really help people are breathing exercises or tapping you know, tapping on their thymus, tapping on their fingers, tapping um, between their eyes to actually stimulate some of the um, the antidote, the natural antidote that we have in our body. So the parasympathetical nervous system, uh, which is run by the vagus nerve that runs through our entire body, that can be stimulated um, and also break down all the neurotransmitters and so forth that are are involved with anxiety um, through breathing, meditating, mindfulness, basically, but also physical relaxation, you know, anything that can help a person in the moment, all right, to get past this autonomous reaction. The first thing people need to learn is that when you suffer from anxiety, that the anxiety itself is a physical symptom. And then they have to learn how to emotionally detach, how to mentally detach, and uh, then if they're willing to go further, how to energetically detach from it. Energy work is very efficient for uh, dealing with anxiety and especially um, uh, PTSD Uh, because uh, like trauma symptoms, because uh, those are all in the realm uh, of, uh, you know, the inaccessible realm for the person, you know, like they're not accessible with the mind and with emotions. So you have to uh, learn how to bypass your mind and your emotion and your body. All right. So in the situation, Breathing techniques, tapping techniques, anything like listening to music. I don't, th- I don't know anybody who has uh, the first thought of, of finding some sage and, and smudging the house, you know, and, unless you have this daily practice. But um, it's really something that you do with your own body, feel your own body, and then, um, you know, feel through your emotions um, calm yourself, coach yourself you know, calm yourself down six seconds is all you got to get through and then things become calmer and then you can go into the deeper work where does the fear come from? what am I avoiding? you know, is this uh, even mine? you know, things like that the higher processing um, you know, can only come when the person is actually able to get through these six seconds
0: alright, and when they are in, midst, or sometimes in the midst of a panic attack and mm-hmm. know some people can focus their attention on something they'll focus either on something positive or something negative is there a certain frequency that you recommend a person focus their attention on for even 10 seconds that would kind of pull them rapidly into a celestial state are there any chakra balancing um, musical hymns that you'd recommend I I know sometimes people say, well, you know, if you want to avoid anxiety, you've got to get to a meditative state. Well, I don't know how you can get into a meditative state if you're having a full-blown panic attack. So, I mean, what are some of the things you recommend to do, like to focus for at least just 10 seconds? The
5: the biggest thing is to focus on your breath, to let go of thinking as best you can, to Mm -hmm. focus completely on the physicality. Feeling your chest rise, feeling your chest expand, your stomach starting to open up. Um, You know, as you deep breathe, you feel your diaphragm pull down. You shift the focus to theirs. So you're focusing on what is not bringing anxiety. You stay in your mind, you stay in your emotions, it's just gonna get worse, or it's gonna keep you spinning. Mm-hmm. You have to shift to physicality, or you shift to the physiology, excuse me, to let that thought process and that emotional spin that's occurring to shift, to stop. That is one of the easiest things to do. If music helps you do that, put it on. Yeah, it's
4: a little different for yeah, everybody, exactly. what can yeah. get them out there quicker. Like yeah. for some people, music works really well, for other people. Physical activity exactly. works, a yeah.
5: But mm-hmm. physical activity works because you're focusing on physicality. You've got to get into that shift, so you're not fixating. It's the fixation that keeps the anxiety going.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then once a person gets through this, and this is, uh, you know, when, when, when you know, when you've identified that you're suffering from anxiety, right? I mean, what are your options? If you go to a doctor, you'll get um you'll get medication okay so if this is something that you want to avoid and uh, you know especially the side effects of that and you want to really work on on self-healing and self-mastering it all right then uh, then we got to understand that it's a process it's not an event okay and you have to work on these things when you're not in a panic attack all right so when you're in a panic attack it's like okay that's when the fire alarm is on you got to do something uh, you know, just to make it stop. But uh, if you really want to learn how to, uh, you know, gradually heal yourself, you know, out of this this perpetual fixation, as uh, Jeff mentioned it, then there are a few tips that we have for people. The first thing is uh, actually to just accept the fear, you know, and to accept that there is something going on right now that I cannot control. Um, <clears throat> then to catch the inner dialogue, you know and to work on that that could, that alone can take uh, you know months to to even get to the core of your inner negativity you know that keeps feeding you with this this critical inner voice or this this inner um sort of fear based um voice you know and then Learn to release some of the the judgment that comes with that, because a lot of the a lot of times this critical inner voice is very very judgmental, is very black and white, is. Down talks the person in the sense of like uh, all or nothing, you know, you're a total loser. Why did you do that? Oh, why did you, didn't you prevent this? There's a, there's a massive fear of failure underneath um, anxiety. Then, of course, you know, the things that we already talked about to to learn how to breathe through something and how to face it all together. That would be the little things in, in life that we have to learn to conquer. This builds trust and confidence. Then, you know, to, to reframe the whole fear experience and to take it more as a challenge, you know, if I'm uh, afraid of heights, you know, then um, I may, may want to go and, and do courses, you know, that help me from, you know, um, you know, you know, go to bridges or go to challenge my ego in that way. I give you credit is, for is that.
0: It? I'm afraid of heights. If I get on a, like even at the top of the stairs, I freak out. Mm. I so, I look at you facing those fears. It's awesome. Yeah, a
4: little bit at a time, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you were afraid of crowds, you know, then you, you you gradually challenge yourself a little bit, you know, surrender to this part in you that can handle that. And then, you know, this is the big part of the healing to also have compassion for yourself and, and why, you know, how you got there. But uh, the, the bottom line really here is, is to accept this condition as a temporary state where you just got caught in something, you got stuck in something, and to, 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 to make it a game to get out of there. I, there's a phrase I heard uh, another speaker say one day, and I really like this one, and, um, and it says, um, actively transform your inner warrior into a warrior. You know, like get out of that warrior place and turn it into a warrior place. You know, that at least worked with me, <laughs> um, you know, to see it as a challenge, to see it as a game and uh, to not give it the power um, in, to dominate the way you see your world and the way you see yourself.
0: It's Yona Brindis and Jeff Kasper energy healers, metaphysical teachers. It was a great honor to have you both with us today learn more about Jeff and Yona by going to the website at transcos.com. And also, please check out the show that we all do together called Heart Wars Radio by going to outerlimitsradio.com. Yona and Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our incredible guests. I hope the show about anxiety has helped you to feel better. And special thanks, as always, to the Outer of Limits of Inner Truth radio show Virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends. I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.